Hey, everybody. Come on now. Comedy Film Nerds episode 340. A couple days late because you had a directing gig. Whoa. I was in (laughs) South Dakota doing some business for the open primaries, people. Nice. If you're in South Dakota, vote yes on Amendment V. (laughs) Open up the primaries, nonpartisan primaries. It's good business. Um, Yeah, that was cool. I interviewed... um, well, hopefully your 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 work there will help with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah, it's actually a cool thing that there's a Republican, a Democrat, and independent like uh, former lawmakers that are all working together to get this bill passed. Mm, sounds like fantasy to yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's like it was cool. I interviewed them, and they the things they were saying were like we're actually working together. And you know, one guy used to work in Washington and was like. Yeah, well, no, cable news is going to cover that. No, no, they're not. No, the 24-hour news cycle needs fighting. No, no, yeah, that's fighting cooperation. Fighting misinformation, yeah. That doesn't sell Viagra. No. <laughs> <laughs> that should be their slogan. <laughs> Corporate media. <laughs> Getting along doesn't sell Viagra. <laughs> that's great. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. This is our second week past post Podfest, right. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, we're going to be talking about Magnificent Seven, Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, some interesting DVDs, and uh, talking about Shriek Fest coming up this weekend. But first, we'll talk about our sponsor. This show is sponsored by Harry's Razors, which I used last night after um, I got in late mm-hmm. because I, I flew from Sioux Falls through Denver. And a little bit of a layover, then got on a plane, and then a 17-year-old kid had an anxiety attack on the runway, Um. tried to get into the cockpit, and uh, we had to go back to the gate so he could get off. Wow. Don't know if this is related. He smelled like weed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, we got to turn off the air, buddy. Oh wow! Come on. Look at that on energy saver. So um, yeah, we, after I had a little bit of a delay, I got home late last night, and mm-hmm. I needed to take a shower, and I needed to scrape the airport off of me. <laughs> nice. The freak travel day off mm-hmm. of me. So uh, I use Harry's razors, which I. They don't have to be a sponsor for of the show anymore for me to use them. Um, but now they've got this new, so they sent us this new pack that you can get, which is a free, all you got to pay is shipping and handling if you use coupon code Comedy Film Nerds. They got the new handle. The other ones were like a stainless steel one. Now they've got kind of a grip one. It's kind of a rubber handle, which I like. I shave in the shower. Um, so uh, I look at myself when I'm naked. Um, <laughs> Must take you a while. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it comes with this. It comes with shaving cream. It's a great trial. Like if you're not, if you're like, I don't know. I've heard about the Harry's razors. I'm not sure. They keep updating their blades, making improvements on them, but then they don't raise the price. Um, and they got aftershave lotion. I, I've tried it all. I really, it's really cool stuff. So well, just, what I love that the fact that they're they're literally giving it away for our list comes with a razor, a five blade cartridge, and a shaving gel, and. Uh, it's free when you sign up for the shave plan, and you just pay shipping. That's it. But they're going to give you a little uh, extra for for uh, being a listener of Comedy Film Nerds. What? What can you get? You're going to get a post-shave bomb nice. added to the order for free. I'm sorry, did you say bomb? B O M B. I, I did. <laughs> yes. A shave bomb. Yes, it explodes <laughs> and shaves your face. Uh, and all you have to do is use the coupon code Comedy Film Nerds. That's it. To so go to Harry's. Uh, dot com. That's H A R R Y S dot com, and use the code Comedy Film Nerds and uh, get get what you deserve. Get the free uh, the free kit. Polish up your man face. Yes. 
<laughs> and get the post-shave bomb and it, have it explode all over your your razor face. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's introduce our guest. Let's do it. Um, first time guest. First time guest. We're mm-hmm. getting a lot of good first time guests. Mm-hmm. Giggling in the background. Giggling first time. Mm-hmm. I got yelled at once for doing that at a podcast. They were like, "They don't know who you are yet. Be quiet." Oh yeah, they like, take oh. it very. Some podcasters take it very seriously. Well, it doesn't yeah. make any sense because when you download the episode, it'll say. Episode 340 with Karen Rontowski. Right. So they already know who you are giggling. It doesn't yes. say wait for announcement. Yes. It doesn't <laughs> <laughs> say we're not telling you the guest until you right. listen. Uh, but yeah, Karen Rontowski. Hello. Hello, guys. Um, so you, you've been, we've known each other for a while. Um, Wide and varied career. Comedy, supernatural. Paranormal. Paranormal. Tarot. Yeah, yes, all the Truth. oddities. And you, uh, uh, did you guys go on a tour together? We didn't do a tour together. You know, Karen does this thing for this women's oasis thing. You do it a couple times a year. Why don't you explain what that is? Because that's, I think, the first... I got. I started communication. Doing, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we knew each other, but it was the first communication. Yeah, um, Oasis Women's Rehab is a um, halfway house for women in Silmar, and it's one of the. Um, they run on a shoestring budget. They had all their budgeting cut after uh, George Bush Senior, and for twenty years now, we've been doing comedy fundraisers for them. They are have the best success rate in I think Los Angeles County. Are uh, you know they're really great, and they mm-hmm. also are the only uh, rehab that will take women directly out of jail. So, uh, and they, like I said, they run on a shoestring. So we do comedy fundraisers for them probably like every other month in the summer. And mm-hmm. then in the winter we wait and we have it, they have it in their backyard and the tickets are like 10 bucks and it's just built up a great audience over the last 20 years. It's one of the coolest things. Like every time you ask me, I do it maybe whatever, once a year, twice a year, something like that. I'm always like, I'm, it's such a cool thing because it's. You're helping people out that are going that have gone through a tough thing, and it is a support group. It is a you know you're you're helping them get through a tough time. They bring their family members, mm-hmm. um, and I remember the first time I did it, some of the comics were like, "Boy, I don't you know I, I got drug jokes in my act, and I don't want to offend anybody." <laughs> I said, these are recovering addicts. There's nothing they haven't said, done, or heard at a meeting. Yeah. Uh, so you can. Re- they may not be as thin-skinned as you think. Yeah, yeah they've, exactly. got, they've got the thickest of skins. Yeah. They've been to hell and back. Um, so it's a really cool place. And if you go to uh, oasiswomensrecovery.org, they have a donation button. You're really helping people get their lives back on track, yeah. and it's the coolest. It's it's one of the. And if you're ever around in LA or live in LA, and just as a, a you don't have to be a recovering addict to come to that show. You can right. just support these women that are going. It's a it's a great show, and you know I have stuff and that I can only do material wise at that show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and um, so that was it, it's a really cool thing. So that that's that's What's yeah, the that's a- it's oasiswomensrecovery.org. So check, check that, that out. out. Check yes. That out. One time they had a girl that got out of jail. She was actually in a cage trying to raise money. Were you there that when we had the cage? I can't remember who had like when we had the <laughs> no, cage. No, I don't remember this cage. <laughs> she was in, they made a cage so she could raise bail money. So she would. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, the other thing that's cool, they, they, they all, you guys have raffles. So there's cool gifts. A, a yeah. lot of people donate mm-hmm. really awesome gifts. Yeah. Um, right, the bags are great. And it's only like 10 bucks. And yeah. it ends up being the best show because everybody in LA wants in. Mm-hmm. We get comics like your quality because it's a great crowd it's packed yes it's packed it's fun you can and i'm like do whatever you want whatever you want yeah it's a it's a really cool thing yeah. um and then you've uh you've done some letterman or tonight show or? uh letterman yeah how many no times tonight have you been on letterman? Uh, just once 
but uh, that and uh, I guess Comedy Central and stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> I'm still working on it. I never have management or agents, so I don't know how to go about it. So it's always you know. Hey man, neither do I. You're on Letterman one more time yep. than I was. <laughs> yeah, was- <laughs> yeah, the only one around here that has uh, across the board uh, an agent is my daughter. So. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't get a meeting. Yeah, I'm taking her on auditions. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so we got a lot of movies to talk Let's about. I really want to talk about Magnificent Seven. Uh, we saw this maybe a week late, but I'm sure some of you uh, also saw it a week late, especially if you were at Podfest. And I, I will say this for Anton Fuqua. He is a consistent director. There, <laughs> This is the exact movie I thought he would make. This is exactly what I thought it would be. It starts off sweeping epic you know kind of aping all the great westerns mm-hmm. that came before it including the music from the original magnificent seven right. like uh-huh. oh that sounds familiar I'm like oh that's right it's the same music um we uh, get these um interesting characters that we're introduced to and uh then second half of the movie is an expendables movie so uh and that's exactly <laughs> what we got to see uh big gunfight at the end but you know bad guys coming in waves you realize that okay well that's probably the same bad guy that died in the other scene because we're just seeing hundreds of them come in and being shot and then hundreds more come in and shot and like i'm not really sure how many there are but it doesn't matter because uh <laughs> it's just gonna be another wave of extras coming in and dying so uh it was the exact movie i thought he would make not a great movie, but go ahead. You know, I, it's funny. I, I think I just had more fun. Uh-huh. I think I had more fun at this movie. And, and I, um, I too, share the, you know, Anton Fuqua has a hard time making a full full film. Yes. I actually, this one, I was like, you know, I, it was fun. It was fine by me because it was fun. And, you know, the original Magnificent Seven, which is, of course, as we've talked about, based on Seven Samurai by right. Kurosawa. Um, it kept, I mean, so I know what's going to happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, I was fine with it and I was fine with mm-hmm. how he handled it. I was expecting a big, you know, it, it's the original had a big crazy shoot him up at the yes. end. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I sort of like original it. seven samurai. It was a big fight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's going to happen. And, and then, yeah. Was in their underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me when I was watching yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun, and it was, it was. Um, I'm a little less forgiving on it. I, I, I didn't have as much fun on it, I, and I wanted to. I went in with, like I said, very low expectations. But what I don't like is these remakes that are literally they're not only remaking them, but they're dumbing down the originals. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really it's a slick, glossed up Fast and Furious. Why, furious why version make the same movie of, again? Yeah. Uh, but why make it dumber? I mean, yeah. it's really, it's like a dumbed down version because when you look at the original Seven Samurai, it, it, there was a lot of other things going on. You also had um, things changing historically where a lot of the samurais were becoming poor and some of them were ronins. And right. then, but you also had um, the villagers who needed the samurai to protect them from the bandits. But you also, as the story progressed, you realize, well, the villagers aren't saints either. They had a cache of weapons and armor from samurais that they had actually attacked and uh, and robbed mm-hmm. on themselves. Mm-hmm. So you have all these different things going on and all this, uh, you know, commentary about human nature and all these things. But And you see, 
And the Magnificent Seven, um, the West, the, the original, was interesting too in that regard, where you got to see these characters develop and why they were different and how they would come together. And uh, but here, I thought it was just like, all right, we're just going to take like the most basic and the you know everything on the surface we're going to put in this movie, and then that's all we're going to see. Even like with Training Day, when you got into the depth of. Um, uh, of the characters, you know, at the beginning, not necessarily towards the end, but I really felt like Anton Fuqua was far more interested in getting the hat exactly right on Denzel Washington's head in every shot because <laughs> it was perfect and symmetrical in every single shot. Like it was never to the side or anything. It was like literally, it was almost like a mathematical formula on how to make Denzel Washington look good in a cowboy hat. Wow, I haven't heard a lot of complaints about the yeah. hat. And, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly, because it was so perfect. It's a really good hat uh, filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. You know, uh, the mizzen scene for hat wearing was unbelievable, the way it filled the frame. Uh, I, 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 rather than actually making these characters breathe and having them becoming actually fleshed out characters. I mean, that's an interesting point. I, 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 I think I went in just sort of like... Knowing what you were getting. Knowing what I was getting, right. and I wasn't expecting that much. But it was, because I was watching the movie going it didn't have a lot of those interesting things. There's a great scene in the original Magnificent Seven where Charles Bronson, there's a village kid and he's like, oh, you're tough. You got a gun and you're a hero. And he goes, no, I'm not a hero. Your dad who works every day and doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. and he's really reflecting on his life. Like, cause he knows he's at the end of his life. Like he, they're all right. like, we're going to probably die in this right. battle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've spent my life being a criminal and a bandit. And, and it's not something to be revered. It's not heroic getting up and working at a job. You might not like to feed your family. That's heroic. And that was such a really poignant, a poignant scene because it was sort of saying that, that the, the statement it was making is that a life of crime isn't, we, we, the we, glamour of the gunfighter is not what it seems. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And and also, too, you're right. There wasn't any... The the villagers in this one, the townspeople were just scared townspeople, and the bad guy was 100% bad, and they were just scared, and they needed help. Right. And they didn't have that sort of... Because that was the thing that was Kurosawa was so good at, was sort of pulling back and revealing, you know, in in in, uh, in, in what is it... Uh, Rashomon, the, the three different tellings of the story, yes. you know, mm-hmm. like he was so good at saying there's a lot of, it's not just good and bad. Right. There's, there's, here's the perspectives. Here's the perspectives. And this person might not be a hundred percent good. And this person might not be a hundred percent bad. And this movie, yeah, it was just sort of. When was the, the original, the, uh, when was that actually made? Wasn't it seventies? The original was made in the seventies. I'll pull that up in a second. And they also, um, it was so successful too. There was, there was at least one sequel after that, I believe <laughs> the Magnificent Seven, like ride again or something like that. Well, you know, that's probably part of it. Oh, oh, 1960. 1960. I was wrong. That, um, that whole thing that you're talking about where everybody is not all good and is not all bad. That's why I think I'm very much into all the TV series is, and that's why I like the Sopranos or even Dexter you're watching them from a different point of view right, which I bad. think yes makes people much more attached to the film like in some of these that maybe that's why I'm not crazy about superhero films because um, there's the flaw and then it's so big and it's it, it, you know what they do is so big but I really always like that that it's not you know I think with the series HBO started that out where everybody's Sopranos not all good everybody's not all bad yeah kind of a game changer what was the how many sequels were there was it just one uh i let's see i think it was just there was um 
Guns of the Magnificent. Guns of the Magnificent was just Seven. A, that was just the second one. So that was mm-hmm. uh, that was in 1969. Okay. Um, and that just didn't do as well, you know. And it was the Mexican Revolutionary hires gunslingers, to, you know. It right. Sort of like, okay. <laughs> it was a like money grab. And then, well, oh, I'm sorry. There was Return of the Magnificent Seven in '66, and then okay. Guns of the Magnificent Seven. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, law of diminishing returns. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny. It's it's funny, Karen. You talk about that because we have mentioned it before on this show. Of like, big budget studio movies are kind of missing the point, and and yeah. and, and episodic on the streaming services, Netflix right. and and other like they're really getting into but, very complex and very interesting characters. And, and this this tr- I'm hoping this isn't a trend because with Star Trek and now Magnificent Seven, like these big budget you know dumbed down remakes, I, they're they're not good for anything <laughs> really. Right. No, I mean they, I, yeah. I'd like to see if you're going to remake something, show me something different or more interesting. Like Three Ten to Yuma was a great remake, great remake, and uh, it, and it's a western and it has had all these elements in it like well, you know what makes that so much more interesting than this one it's better. well they develop the characters yeah, better they, exactly. they they could do stuff thematically more now than you could back in the 50s when that original western came out you know there's mm-hmm. so many more restrictions on what you could say and shoot and show right. and all this mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. so that's what i think they need to do um Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I, I have, you reminded me of something I want to look up on a film. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just sort of going in with low expectations to a lot of these. But again, it, it's sort of, I feel like I did want to, Star Trek's a great example. I came out of Star Trek and went, great action movie, not a good Star Trek movie because it right. was it didn't have all the intelligence of Star Trek and this mm-hmm. didn't have the intelligence of the Kurosawa film that right. went into Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Um Good cast. I mean, good actors. Yes. Interesting scenes. Any women? Yes, actually. The um, did the, she do something good? Did she hurt somebody? Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> did she get to play? Uh, she was the um, grieving widow that became cleavage with a gun. Oh well. Yeah, she. <laughs> That's the name of my dry cleaner. Yeah, cleavage with a gun. Cleavage with a gun. <laughs> yeah, she was the grieving widow. So I mean. You know, it was that that thing of like, well, she's she's a strong woman. It was her. She was the the townspeople were scared, and she mm. was the strong one. And it's like awesome, but then she's got to be in the low cut cleavage. Right, you know, right. She's always right. got to be bending over. Yeah. Like, oh, I keep dropping everything. Oh, let me yeah. pick up this rifle. <laughs> Bam. How am I going to fight the bad guys? Yeah. When I'm so clumsy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was you know it was played by. Uh, Haley Bennett. She's a, she's an interesting actress. I, I, I like watching her, and she had some good scenes. Um, I think I think Antoine Fuqua was decent at doing first halves of movies. First, well, yeah, first <laughs> half, but not even that though, because but he's decent at capturing some one-on-one acting scenes between two good actors. Like that, he's good at. He's also a really stylized director. Right. Like you see, like you know, as far as like action. And just the way, like, it's almost like he's Zack Snyder-ish in that. Right. But the problem with that is when you become stylized, you lose any um, depth or, or any any kind of uh, meat to anything else. Because if you look at, you know, I mean, in a lot of his movies, you know, Equalizer, The Shooter, you know, I mean... In, those movies it sounds like his career got a little pigeonholed yeah olympus has fallen you don't that's uh, um you know so he's doing these big budget action things um 
And all of those movies have decent one-on-one, you know, two actors that are really solid in what they're doing. Okay. But 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 the, uh, the, no, the bigger now. picture. But name name a scene like in where you felt that way, like a scene with two actors. Okay, uh, in, in the shooter, Magnificent Seven. There's oh, in Magnificent yeah, Seven, yeah. Um, where uh, Denzel Washington is around the campfire talking to people, like the one-on-one scene with him and the the Indian. Uh, where he's speaking in, I think it was, I forget which tribe he was, but he was speaking in in uh, Chinese. In, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that tribe. Yeah. They're very big now. <laughs> but where the, the the Indian walks up and they're speaking and they're and he's one on one and so all the all the the cowboys you know the gun they got their guns like uh oh here comes right. an Indian and he, you know when there's one there's more and they're all mm-hmm. flipping out and he goes up and um, I think it's Comanche. And he's speaking a little bit of Comanche, and and, and that's a good one-on-one scene. Mm-hmm. There's some um, there's some scenes where we get a little character development with Vincent D'Onofrio's character who plays this crazy mountain man. Yeah, some weird autistic mountain man. Yeah, well, that's just Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah half to, and half, real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always has to make everything really big. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so I thought that some of those scenes were were interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, overall, it's it does fall into that that big budget action thing because big budget as we we say it all the time, it's like we're we're, we're sounding like broken ranks, but big budget action can be interesting if there's a decent enough script and yeah. there's some character arc and character development. It then makes the and when the action has a point to it or it furthers the 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 character arc or that's that's interesting but this was just because that was the other thing in the original one the 1960 magnificent seven first they're just guns for hire and they're doing it for money and then they sort of kind of realize we need to do this this is what's right right Mm -hmm. and there's some of that in this movie but not not a lot not a lot do you remember this film serenity Yes. Now talk about because it basically is always the same story. There's good guys, bad guys, and the good guys are going to win in the end. But that movie was one that was so well done, and so the characters were so interesting and very different. Even the casting seemed to be very off um, center, and 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 that was that's the that is one of the few action mil- movies I've probably seen two or three times because of that. It's funny you bring that up. It's Joss Whedon, and it's based off of a TV series that was very popular, you know. Uh. And that so they had flushed out characters, and it was I saw that movie. I had not seen the TV and series. And also, he based Me it too. Too, as a yeah. western in space. Right, he based mm-hmm. it as a western right. in space. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I thought was done really well with the film, I didn't need to know that much about the series to right. be engaged with these people and what they were doing and sort of, I mean, that's the, that's the Han Solo character arc is he's just doing it for the money. And then he actually has a turn, you know, he's doing it for the right reasons. And when that's done correctly, it's really interesting mm-hmm. when you see the flawed criminal, you know, find some type of humanity and the horrifyingly, uh, a creepy assassin. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah, so it was like, um, yeah, that's a good example, and that was that was a western in outer space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. So all right, next movie is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. This was a Tim Burton adaptation uh, from the novel. Now I will say I went into this movie with very low expectations because I've read the book and the book was terrible. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a big bestseller, but if you've read any other book in your life, you realize that this has been pretty much cobbled together by 
from better things. Everything from uh, the X Men. Um, the two is that, is uh, yeah. that the sort of uh, ad on the uh, yeah that's on the cobbled poster. together from better things <laughs> yeah uh, and it, it has this weird like uh, this novelty and they're like well we just found some old photographs and they're really weird and creepy so uh, you know it wrote the book around them and all this I'm like well yeah why don't you write the book around a story how about that try try that <laughs> um, so here's where I will say is Tim Burton can really shine is this wasn't a remake. Uh, this was an adaptation. His, his adaptations are a thousand times better than any remake he will ever do. Yeah. Um, so what he did is he made this his own. He um, actually made it a coherent storyline, and he um, even improved the characters. Like, it was really interesting. Like, uh, um, in the book, you know, the father of the kid who discovers that, you know, he's, quote, peculiar, he has powers, is like um, a really absent, you know, stupid parent you know dad like uh but here they give him a little more things to do and he's a little bit more involved and engaged like uh because it's always sloppy writing when you write like um young adult or children's novels like all the adults are stupid they don't know what's going on they never see the monsters or whatever and every adult is like that because it gets them out of the way and now they can never help or do anything like that so this one was a little more interesting where the father was still involved yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know the the father was actually a little more engaged so um, but what I liked about it, too, is the book just kind of ends. Like, the movie, uh, the, the entire third act of the movie isn't in the book. So, he oh, wow. actually, he created an entire ending to actually make it a little more um, coherent. And Sounds uh, like he felt the same way about the book yes, that you did. I, I, re- I really think he did, because all the problems I had with the book, he corrected. And uh, so, even when you get to this home for the peculiar children, and there's, like, these weird things about time loops and World War II, and... He made it more interesting and more compelling because he adjusted the characters to where, all right, well, now this doesn't feel so much like you're stealing from everywhere else. Because Tim Burton, as an artist, puts his own stamp and his own interpretation on things. And uh, the production design's really nice. The um, the creature design's really nice. But there's like a, definitely some weird flaws, like... Uh, like at the beginning, the monsters seems like a giant in the forest, and then we realize no, they're more man size. I'm like, well, no one <laughs> corrected that at the beginning when we first saw the shot. It was a weird, a weird thing. Like there's a couple um, inconsistencies, and everything gets a little weird with the time loopy kind of stuff. You know, I'm like, well, wait, what are the rules now? Uh, all right, I get you can turn into a bird. Now we're stuck in this time loop. You don't age, but you age when? No, wait, you age now. What? What's? How? How does this work if you you leave? So when you put all that aside, but. It was like really good classic Tim Burton. It was creepy. There were a lot of kids in peril. In fact, when I brought I brought both kids and when the eight year old, I'm like, oh, I don't. This might have been a little more advanced. There's like creepy, like eye eating and like weird, like mm-hmm. hard. So were you like if you don't do your homework? Yes, this happen. is it. Yeah, I'm like, all right, gosh, are you gonna be able to sleep tonight? <laughs> but uh, he seemed okay with it. Um, you know, my daughter loved it. She, you know, she's at that perfect age, like eleven. This is like the kind of stories that she really likes. And so I will say, uh, after the book being such a disappointment, the movie was like a pleasant surprise. I really like what okay. uh, Tim Burton did with it. So um, that's rare when the yeah. movie's better than extremely the book. rare. And it was it was a weird good pairing of like Tim Burton being able to um, put his stamp and his interpretation on this because it was uh, the the book was so 
uh, weak and poorly put together that this was um, much more interesting. So yeah, so I, I recommend it. It was a good creepy uh, kid story. And it, what's See, interesting is it cost more than Magnificent Seven. Wow. It was. Mm-hmm. I think kids, though, we underestimate how dark children are. I oh. think that's very true. Because oh, yes. Harry Potter wasn't the beginning of that. He's locked in a cupboard. Right. Like, yeah. that's not, you <laughs> That's know, how it starts. Yeah, yeah, they're not, I don't think they're all unicorns and rainbows, right? Mm-hmm. They like to be scared just like anybody kids else. like dark stories, for sure. Yeah, and mm-hmm. now with the way advertising, oh, there are some horror movies out there that the, um, the what is that, the billboard is scary. Like, I, right. I would have been really scared if I saw that when I was a kid, and they're just mm-hmm. everywhere now. Well, I remember that as a kid. I remember, you know, getting scared by stuff, and then, I mean, we had some, you know, like, you just doing some make-believe game and just coming up with some just really dark yeah. stuff. Like, oh, I have the swimming pool full of pudding. It yeah. was like, there's a dragon in your, in your pillow or yes. whatever. And he craves human flesh. Yeah, yeah. it was like really dark yeah. stuff. That's but, a great uh, point. So this... Um, Samuel Jackson um, plays a little too over the top on this, but he one of the reasons Tim Burton said he, he added and changed the ending is because he wanted to get Samuel Jackson in the movie more. So he understands if you have Samuel Jackson in your movie, you should really use him. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't just be in a couple scenes in the beginning. So That's it was, what could have um, put the budget over uh, Magnificent Seven right there. Yeah, that could have probably... <laughs> So you have, like uh, like I said, Tim Burton, his adaptations, like uh, Big Fish is an excellent adaptation, but keep him away from remakes, but mm-hmm. uh, let him adapt and spin th- things through his lens, and you get something that's really uh, interesting. Apparently, it didn't do very well at the box office. Um, it had, you know, as you said, it had a $110 million budget. It's right. done, as of October 3rd, it's done $31 million. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a uh, a bomb, for sure. Well, domestically, but I bet, yeah. you, this, I bet you this cleans up overseas. I think it right? will, too, and I think it'll do very well on uh, DVD and on demand too. Do, do you think, Chris, it was it might have scared some parents away? Like this is too much for my younger kids. I think so for sure. Like I would, uh, I would kind of go like eight and up for sure. Like this isn't like the Pixar movie where you take the four and five and six year olds. This mm-hmm. is definitely a much darker story. But it's more like you know it, it can you can really target kind of like the Harry Potter crowd with this mm-hmm. or. Uh, uh, or a series of unfortunate events, which actually they're making a TV series of right. now. So it's really it fits into that kids uh, that category. like Halloween. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, right. it was so. Um, I think this will make money eventually. I don't think it, uh, like you said, it's probably not cleaning up at the box office. Don't you think making a remake though is got to be very hard because you have images planted in your head, and if you're remaking a movie, it's obviously one that you like, so you already know what you like about it. So to redo that, I know, like I things like Amityville Horror was made exactly. Like almost scene for scene, exactly alike. Or uh, they did a psycho with Vince Vaughn, and oh, they yeah. were saying how they were trying to get the scenes exactly alike. That must just be so imprinted that somebody's afraid to veer on that. Well, and that's usually a failure when yeah. people do that. I mean, that's the whole point of doing a remake is to do a reinterpretation of of the uh, um, of the, the and thing let that you the controversy of the different stand. Yeah. Otherwise, that why remake the exact same movie again? Right. There's no point. Right, you know, right. and then you just have it's like Blair Witch. It's the, was the exact same movie with slightly better effects than a, a just camera. Re-release on a drum. Yeah. Just re-release it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just literally re-release it. So um, you know, otherwise you're you're literally just getting the audience who's interested and hasn't seen the first one, which is a much smaller percentage. Right. 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 And that's what happened with Blair Witch. It didn't do well. Well, speaking of that, now we want to get into. Um, 
You saw the movie The Witch. It came out last year, but we also without the word Blair. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen. But you, let's go into The Witch and then other because you're you. How would you? What do you label yourself in terms of a paranormal? You study paranormal. Uh, you, uh, you study paranormal. Paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, work with uh, ghost friends, fighter. Ghost fighter. Yes. <laughs> Karen Rontowski, Ghostfighter. Yeah, a lot of my friends are demonologists, Reiki masters, so we work in the field of a lot of the topics that the, these movies are made about. Mm-hmm. So um, I do find some of them are just fun, and some of them are over the top, and some of them I know the people that like. Um, I go to if there's a movie called The Fire in the Sky. A fire mm-hmm. in the sky mm-hmm. about the gentleman from Arizona. They oh, were the conducted. Cons- yes, I know mm-hmm. that man. I worked at a paranormal convention with him. So to hear his story and know the movie and know what's real and what isn't is always um, that sort of a thing. Now that's very interesting. So, so mm-hmm. that was a very intriguing film that came out. In yes, the 90s, I believe it was Robert Patrick was one of the guys. Um, it was the biggest UFO case um, to that time because they tried to. They were looking to arrest his friends for murder because the ship uh yeah they were out logging or they were out in the you know cutting trees and logging and he was gone for five days right and and he's it's a fascinating if you ever get a chance to see him speak his name's travis walton Mm -hmm. um he speaks a lot of ufo conferences and it's just fascinating so it was worldwide is, is based on his book travis walton's book yes um so what so Give us an like go into the detail of what sort of what you've seen from the actual Travis Walton speaking and what was in the movie. Like, what did they add or take out or change? Or well, what's fascinating too is he's actually looking for somebody to re uh, not remake that movie, but sort of remake what happened after and how he was handled by doctors and how his brother saved his life. And it's very, very creepy and very interesting. And I almost went there. He had a a group go back for the ten year anniversary or the twenty year anniversary, something like that. Um, but he it was fascinating of the parts of the movies that he liked and the parts that he didn't like. And for example, one of the things is I think he thought they were very hard on the relationship with the other guys Mm -hmm. because it looked like they were all fighting. I didn't feel that because they actually made it... um I believe it was his brother or his friend that they all got together in the end. Uh, they made that clear that they weren't all fighting and they weren't against right. each other and they didn't turn against each other either. Um, and some of that stuff bothered him. He did say there was a scene in there where he's in the spaceship and the aliens put something over him that looks like they're putting cellophane over him and he can't breathe. He said that was like an adaptation. He said the air was so thin he could not catch his breath. And so they, he said that was one of the better um, ways they made it seem. But he also said um, there was something about when he was in the there was a, they did take a little uh, artistic license, but he, a lot of it was on. He was more, in fact, when he was talking about the complaints of the movie, it was more the relationships and how the other people looked rather than what actually happened, which is horrifying when you watch so, it. So, uh, like even things like the production design of like the aliens themselves and their suits were they based on his uh, accounts? Yes, he didn't say, and I, I don't want to quote him too much, but he did not say any of that was wrong. And what else is very interesting is when you meet him. He's a large six foot man that is solid muscle. So when he was, I think, 18 or 20 when this happened, you can't imagine 
Like, it's terrifying to watch that, to think of an 18-year-old man that's Tough been logging, and, yeah, being right. pulled around by little men with big heads. But mm-hmm. it was, yeah, so that part of it, the, the um, he said he is looking for someone now to do the follow-up because there was so much more to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In fact, he, it was in the big scene is where he gets out of the truck and the light comes down and they're yelling, get in the truck. And the, um, the light picks him up and throws him. Well, when he got on the ship, he kept saying one of the things he really uh, focused on was the eyes. Oh, that's all he remembers is the eyes and the aliens looking at him and staring at him. Every other abductee says that there is, um, telepathic they know what the aliens are thinking when they talk to them and he couldn't get anything and then they found out after he had gotten a concussion that actually a part of his brain wasn't working that would have been the telepathic part so there's all these little pieces that fit together as to why his why that happened to him but it's a fascinating story and i'd love to see somebody redo that so what's some other stuff? Because you 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 had you were on a Ghost Hunters TV show for a while, or no, no, I have my own little comedy series, but right. <laughs> <laughs> that I do on YouTube. Oh. But no, no, I do, but I do a lot of um, private people that have trouble in their house. We go in and take you, care and investigate. Can see. you like? Poltergeist cleanse kind of thing? I can, yeah. As a Reiki uh, master, I can. If you're getting, it depends. There's a huge amount of difference. In fact, sometimes that's why that's why certain movies, I think, really represent and others don't. Can I can I uh, interrupt with this one thing? Because I was really curious when I saw the, ori- the original Paranormal Activity movie. Right. Um, it made a very clear difference between ghosts, paranormal, and demons. And exactly. I thought that was really interesting. And I exactly. felt like I went to my wife when we saw it. I said, you know, this is actually accurate as far as, like, the research and stuff that's been done on um, ghosts and demons and why there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think? Did you think that one was pretty accurate? I did like that one. I mean, and, and the last scene was probably something that just threw it together. Mm-hmm. But, yes, it was very accurate in that these things are not... Whenever I see a YouTube video of some poltergeist where everything's being thrown around the house, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. That's probably 99% not true. But things moving or that type of stuff... And your point is exactly right. There are of so many things between human ghost, which is, that's what we call it. That was some spirit that was a human and a demon or an angel that there's so many things in between there that we don't even know what they are. And they usually come across, I think one of the best movies was an old Sally Kirkland movie. I believe it's called the haunting. And that movie, that name's been used over and over and over. That to me was spot on where um, they were seeing like a uh, not a mist but like a fog and it kind of had a voice to it. 1963. Yes, I believe it is Sally Kirkland. Is that Robert Wise? This is. Uh, it might be the 70s. I think it was the 70s, but I know Robert it's Robert Wise directed the one 60s. Julie Harris, Claire oh. Boom, and R- Richard Johnson. Are... No, uh, look up a haunting or the haunting. But it's <laughs> I know a million. But it's absolutely Sally Kirkland. Mm-hmm. Sally Kirkland horror movie. But that mm-hmm. um, had exactly it's it's not it's not you only in very few cases also is it absolutely demonic. So mm-hmm. you can have a spirit in your house that's just troublesome. You can have you know I remember on watching uh, one of these guys paranormal tapes, just a big black thing of goo came around the corner and then looked at them and then moved back out. So there's so many different things it could be. Well, well I mean, so go into the specifics of what these. Just to define them. So anyone listening because who's like, what? 
Right. <laughs> yeah, so very them deep into this. Or just goes, <laughs> I keep trying to drag it back to yeah. movies. So. Yes, no, um, please do. No, there's actually... Like Exorcist is specifically demonology. That's there's demonology. No, there's no ghosts in there's, Exorcist. Right, that's a demon. Mm-hmm. That's a rarity that can happen. Um, you can get... Uh, you can get uh, what they call fairies. I know we have a different definition of fairies now. There's all kinds of elementals, which are um, they want some elementals work with water, some work with air, some work with fire, uh, and they all do different things. There's just um, I call them attachments. I've had an attachment myself, which caused me to be very, very depressed. In fact, the reason that alcohol is called spirits is because when people are drunk, darker entities can attach to them very easily because their aura is compromised. Um, so there's all, I, I, in fact, I wish I knew everything in between there, but some of them, it's just different levels of um how strong they are. That's a, that's a good way to explain it. So a demon would be the strongest. Um, what is a demon specifically? Like, how would you define it? I would call a demon, I, I mean, you could call it a fallen angel, but it's, a, it's something so powerful and so evil completely through. Uh, it's ancient. In the Middle East, they call them jinn. They and they actually leave sacrifices out at their house of food and stuff so that the jinn will not come in. But it's probably the, the haunted. M- it was a nineteen ninety one TV movie that was Sally Kirkland. Sally Kirkland. Okay, Based it was on a TV a movie. Okay, that was the most accurate that I've ever seen. Okay, um, based on a book by Robert Kieran. Right. That was that's fascinating, and it's still as scary as still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Okay, so you can watch it now, and it holds up perfectly. Great. So, um, so anyway, go go into the. So darker energies are what we're talking about, which are there are darker energies and lighter energies and energies everywhere, and just kind of stuff that we don't see. So how does that? I mean, how would you like? Where do they come from, or how how, do, how would it like? attached to you or or where like well my attachment came from fooling around with witchcraft with a bunch of other people when we really thought it was funny and um we did it at my house and there was just something that uh we all sort of made a wish on a string and whoa isn't this funny which is funny because my friend that was the demonologist was there and he's the only one that said i'm not doing this and we did it in my house and then everybody started to call and said you know i did i just found an extra thousand dollars you know i did actually end up on a, a tv series you know i did and then um i started to get very 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 depressed and um it's actually a funny story but it's well, just isn't it because everyone else was giving you good news about their careers yeah yeah <laughs> Just it's, it's, yeah. we all have demons yeah, in show yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was something ju- just attached to my energy, and it took over. Let me explain two different things. This will be this will give you a better idea of it. When we go ghost hunting, we have to be very careful about our energy because you can actually have an entity walk on, and I have seen we call it a walk on with a demon. It's sag? a possession. Yes. <laughs> It's a union ghost walk on. Yes. <laughs> it's a union ghost walk-on. With a demon, it's a possession, and that's where everything changes. With a walk-on, that's where you're in a haunted place where a spirit can actually take over someone's body. They can't do it for an extended period of time because it takes a lot of their energy, but I have seen people turn into other people, start speaking with accents, or have things like that happen where the person is also at the same time going, get it out, get it out. I've seen people just go down, just like like that it would be a human spirit 
taking on your body. So that would be called a walk-on. And that really can happen. And after you see that once, you really start to examine if we need the death penalty, where all these people are saying, I don't know what happened. And you start to think maybe, maybe some of them don't. Maybe some of them did get drunk and had a walk-on, and all of a sudden that was a different person. Um, attachments are sort of, um, I would say they're between, halfway between demon and human, and they are just things that are around. They're energies that are around that get attached to us. If you are if you are sad or you're not keeping yourself physically active or you do a lot of horror movies or Ouija boards or stuff, you're really compromising your energy. I think in the Bible when they say, um, what is it, uh, clean godly cleanliness is next to godliness it means your energy your aura keep that clean or things do get attached and and then you start to take on it's like this if a spirit say a woman died as a crack addict and she uh doesn't you know as before she passes on she's like i shouldn't have done that all i want is more crack i want to get in a physical body so then here come the cops and they say well we got to investigate this crime and then they see other drug addicts and stuff like that she can attach to one of them either going she can attach to the cop if he's not keeping um, control of his aura i'm sorry if i'm jumping all over this i got very excited <laughs> she can attach to the cop can you solve the crime or if she's an addict she can attach to another addict and be like have that same energy their energies are now matching i want more drugs i want more crack so now the person that's just regular human is now got that energy double of that addiction energy because she has someone attached to her now what um have we seen that in cinema at all? No. That type of attachment? Well, look how hard it was for me to explain right. it, you know? <laughs> um, it's, and I try to explain it so that it's not out in the crazy level, because when mm. you do Reiki, this is sort of all stuff that is encompassed in there, of keeping your energy and your aura clean. But um, no, I've never seen anybody really, uh, because it's we've seen, we've demonic. We've seen hauntings or possessions. In well, we've, right, sort of, right. we've sort of seen, though, in Ghost, in the movie Ghost, we didn't we see, like, the bad... Um, those those dark things yeah. that came for him and ghost is incredibly accurate movie incredibly accurate. so you have yeah basically you have heaven and hell and that's where you go when you die and then you get stuck if you if neither comes yeah through. you could you can get stuck or i'm sure there's it's a lot more complicated and it's always you know the more that we learn the crazier it gets it seems mm-hmm. you know um i know that with but demons fill seats you know right. the, <laughs> the attachment but what yeah. so it's just bad energy and then he had a reiki session and he was okay well that's not really a great <laughs> um there's no car chase yeah no. yeah yeah so it's pretty deep kind of stuff out there but the movies that do i always think do represent is um that one the sally kirkland is a perfect example of that their uh ghost mm-hmm. is excellent and um there was another one, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, I found very interesting. Really? And very, if if there's, I think that, I don't know how much of that they fudged, but somebody knew their stuff. And uh, what are some movies that you just kind of laugh at and like, well, that's not even close to what Paranormal would be? Um, anything that's too big, in fact, um, and I didn't laugh at this movie, but A Haunting in Connecticut was very interesting because the real woman telling the story is way more scary than the movie. So the things <laughs> that they started to adapt and with special effects and make bigger were, you know, just tell the story. Just tell the story and people will be terrified. 
Um, well, now, what do you feel about like the Conjuring movies? Like those are all supposedly based on specific events, but there's a lot of controversy where there are specifically frauds. And I mean, obviously, right. all supernatural. There's you know, there's a uh, a high level of skepticism on everything. Right. But for the for those two paranormal investigators specifically, there's a lot of controversy the surrounding them. Yeah, yes. the Warrens. So now, what did you think of them and the movies? Uh, I I actually very much like the Warrens, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they really were on the edge of you know. Uh, opening that whole thing up and it's funny because the people really liked the conjuring and thought it was fun and then it got to the end part where she was in the cellar and the chair starts to go up and move around and that was the part when everybody i know in the paranormal kind of went oh that didn't happen but what happened was the daughter explains it and it, it's a little different, but it happened out of sequence. Like, it didn't happen that way, but she said, yes, her mother, it was her mother who became possessed, and the face contorted into someone else, and the chair lifted up during this uh, seance that they had. Um, and the Warrens really were the, they really broke ground like no one else. They, I also don't know, you know, when you're around darkness that much, you always wonder, there were two paranormal investigators that um, were what they ended up murdered. It was a murder suicide and they had something dark in their house for years. And it, it's sort of like, you don't know when you're playing that close to the dark side, I can't tell you that everything they did towards the end was clear, but th- that story was actually, most of it was true. They just moved into this house that had this awful thing in it. Um, that, you know, until the end, the special effects, but it was really scary. To me, that was very scary. And obviously, they had to take some license, and she's got the sheet outside, and the thing takes the sheet, and then it's on top of her. Boom. Right. Um, so that was probably a little artistic license to show, you know, we got to do this now. That's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Real uh, demonic possession takes place kind of slowly. There's a whole um, a whole set of steps that sort of happen. So like turning into a vampire right right it's not right away <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a series of feedings and yeah. <laughs> i think i've scared your uh, audience a little bit <laughs> so um now should we do a, a tarot reading Let's do a tarot Let's do a tarot. Reading. Reading. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Let me just recommend one movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you haven't seen it, it's a comedy, uh, um, what is that, a parody of all the horror movie, and it's called uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Have you seen it? No. Uh-huh. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a small independent, and for anybody who really likes creepy things, um, the Mothman Prophecies. Oh, I remember that. Movie. Uh, was a great movie, a mishmash of the real story. Mm-hmm. But um, there's my favorite documentary. It's a little long, but it's called The Eyes of the Mothman because the Mothman was absolutely a right. real. There's there's something that falls in between, um, in between demon and that's a thing, a thing flying around that nobody. We still yeah. don't know what that it's is. That's why we need the Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's funny, though, just you talk about, like, if you're around a lot of negative energy. Like, I've had some times where I was sort of alone and a little depressed, and then I, watch, I like, binge-watch Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, I feel awful. Right. You know, like, Breaking Bad, oh, it's great writing and acting, but I'm like, and a friend of mine goes, you just spent 
you know, watched it. Yeah, you started watching it in the wrong frame of mind. Yeah, and then you went from there. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. I remember when Mad Men, a friend of mine was like, "Oh my god, you just had a, you're just going through a tough time, and then you just spent the weekend with Don Draper, <laughs> yeah. just like yeah. boozy, end of the world, liar." Yeah, yeah, you know? yep. yeah. It does. They do bring on a certain vibration, so you Identity kind of theft. yeah. In fact, it's funny because sometimes in a, if the weird noise is me shuffling the cards. Um, or ne- is we, it? Yeah. yeah, we've never done this before. Never done so this. This will be interesting, and then it may okay. be cut out if we don't like the results all right so, <laughs> so what shall if it does I... well we're going to sell cfn tarot yes. cards <laughs> on the website. yeah we'll sign them yeah <laughs> that's right that's right um and and also and what would you like to read what would you be what would you your question to bring in i think a question one like like where's cfn where's comedy where's, filmers going because where, where's, where's yeah. where's here I, I will say this before we preface because i'm i'm sure this isn't as weird to me chris because I had hippie parents. Right. So <laughs> my I grew up with this stuff. My dad has done tarot card readings mm-hmm. forever. Like I'd come home from college and he'd do a reading and stuff. So this stuff doesn't... So could we, could, we, could we do a company reading? Sure. Is that possible? Sure. We'll do, all right, we'll see. I'll and see by the way, the tarot cards are always misrepresented in every movie period. Right. Um, what, as in the company, as, uh, give me our, a name. Just our company, see? Comedy Com- Filmers. Comedy Filmers. So all these shirts you see in this garage, yes. this is our business. Our production, the, everything. The ad read, we yep. produce a movie. Yes. Keep in mind you're doing the tarot card reading in a garage. <laughs> so let's see where we can go from there. Yeah, where we can't turn the air conditioning <laughs> yeah. out during right. the Ah, all right. And I will explain the cards as we go on. Okay. So. You know what? We should take a uh, picture. A picture for sure. Once, once the spread is, uh, once the flop is down. (laughs) (laughs) Once you get. Okay. So, um, and I will explain. Okay. So you always have two cards that tell me the past and they are the page of cups and the two of swords, which means you guys are sort of in this, um, the page of swords is a starting point. You want to get that to a king or he's the page of cups. I'm sorry. And the, um, the blindfolded two of swords means that at first you guys did not know where this is going. So now you are in the king of swords. And although you're taking a moment to step back and see, uh, without any emotion with like logic and real like uh we know what's going to we want to take a look at what our options really are we're bringing our dreams down to um reality and see how we do this where we can go your challenge card is to let go of any disappointment you have had water under the bridge because this is not only building it is moving in the right direction there are some bumps over here but it is moving in the right direction wheel of fortune in your mind you're moving into victory so something around you right now is uh, we call this sort of half victory it's a six so you're moving into a better place that's right in front of you and there's a tipping point coming for you guys Um, and when I say tipping point this is where things start to change and there will be a change the only thing is the change is going to get challenge both of you before it gets better. And then you're ending on the temperance card, which is great, which is a better place of balance with this. And it also might mean paperwork and contracts, okay? And I mean, not like ones you have now, but things moving forward. The devil card is after this change. This is where I said it's up to you guys. And I'll explain the devil card real quick. Devil has a belly button because it's what we do to ourselves. And it's the idea and limitations that we have chained ourselves to. So taking this realistic look right now is a very good way to get you guys started 
but do not be chained to the things that have disappointed you or haven't worked before. This has to be open to a whole bunch of things, okay? And then this partnership with you guys is even better than you think. It's going to get better. There's going to be a really good give and take here. And then the temperance card, that's great. That's balance. That's things moving forward. That's a wonderful card. So it's moving in a right direction. Victory and something right in front of you. And like I said, watch out for this. This You'll know this point because this point where the devil card comes up, it'll really be a question of, you know, wait a minute, am I really ready for success or am I not or what's going on there? Uh-huh. Make sense? All right. That sounds pretty good. All right. We'll leave this in. All right, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Don't screw it up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So, you know, when we get to the devil card, we'll know it. You'll know it. You'll call me. Yeah. (laughs) You'll call me. Well, thank you for the reading. That was cool. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Um, All right. Well, let's let's get into some trailers and DVDs. Absolutely. I just want to ask one last question. Um, For tower card readings, like I've never seen that done for like a company or a different entity before. So it can be done not just on a person. Oh, yeah. I can do it for anything. That's really interesting. You could do it on... The drought. I did the drought. Really? Somebody asked me in San Francisco if they should sell their house, and I said, not this drought. The next drought. Get out. So we're going to get over this one somehow, and it'll be fine. And then there's another one. That's one to go. Oh. Well, there's always going to be another one. Yeah. It's like another earthquake. We're going to get one eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Trailers. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> this was really... We, we got to come back down from that. I know. I know. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. I got I to gotta settle my aura. <laughs> yeah, careful not an attachment. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I wonder, um, like, real quick, I wonder, because sometimes, I, 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 like, everything's going great, and I'm feeling good, and then sometimes I'll get, like, I'll feel really angry or frustrated. And I, a lot of times I feel like it's just it's just chemical. It's just like, oh, I'm really hungry. But then... Uh, it's old tapes playing. Right. And, and uh, I don't want to go to... Uh, but it's old tapes. The next time you do that, call me. I'll give you a free Reiki session. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Good to know. First mm-hmm. one's right. Yep, first one's right. That's how they get you. That's how they get us. <laughs> that's, how the, yeah, that's how you get into the Reiki hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a three-day Reiki yeah, bender. Yeah. So, okay, so trailers. Jackie. Um, this is the Jackie Kennedy trailer um, starring uh, Natalie Portman. And it is so being touted as like, this is her Oscar performance. This is it. This is her big period piece. And... Uh, it really comes off as the girl from the Star Wars prequels doing a bad accent. It really <laughs> She's just trying to sound yeah, like a yeah, it, high it, level society I, person. I, I, I can't say I bought it, so I, I'm not sure. And and now I will. To be fair, it could be a poorly cut trailer. There might be some amazing performances by her in this film, um, but. According to the trailer, maybe not. I, you so. know, I like Natalie Portman. I think she's yeah. a fine actress, but. Boy, this is <laughs> got to be spot on. Jackie Kennedy, yeah. like you can't. This is an icon. This is you have to cast yeah. this so well. You right. can't just kind of be Jackie, like. And, and Keanu Reeves is JFK. So no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was about to say what. <laughs> but that's what this felt like. It's like casting Keanu Reeves as JFK. So okay. I I don't know. That's um, not what you can do for your country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, the next uh, trailer is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Finally, well, how long were we going to have to wait to get another convoluted, um, incomprehensible <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean movie? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, they could, they could, my, what they should do with this franchise is scuttle it. Yes. 
Weight it down, shoot yep. a hole in the bottom, yep. and then and make let, it walk the plank. Let it just go to the bottom of the ocean. Now, I will say the first one was an entertaining popcorn movie. I thought uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, that, uh, it was 12 fun. years ago? Or yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It was, I thought it was really fun. It didn't take itself too seriously. And it actually had a comprehensible story. Like, huh. oh, this made sense. Okay, they're cursed, they're ghosts, and, you know, these characters. I, I get it. I see what's going on here. Everyone after that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this one looks to be... No different whereas basically you're looking at a um uh, a pirate effects reel that's what this trailer yep. is it's a pirate effects reel uh and then uh they show like a um a picture of jack sparrow we're looking for this pirate so oh oh he's in the mood i can't wait to see uh, uh and johnny depp is uh dead men uh, do tell tales yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was really just these just this i'm re- off on the premise yeah I can't answer, all right <laughs> so you know the, uh, these, these pirates needed a couple of reiki sessions. Yeah, really, exactly. Would have been better. A couple exactly. reiki sessions, cross um, them over, let them go. So, so this <laughs> again, not not a great uh, not a great movie week for trailers. That's what, so this franchise needs a reiki session. Yes. And a tarot card <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm into that. Uh, and it on, makes the movies better. Yeah, I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah, that would be great. You could tarot read a script. <laughs> oh, um, so DVD and Blu-rays, X-Men Apocalypse. This was yeah. a, um, you know, if you lower your expectations, you might have fun watching it, this it's movie. It's not the best X-Men movie no, to come out, but it's also it's not, not awful. It's, it's, I will say it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Yeah, but it's, again, faint praise. Uh, my favorite part of watching this film was seeing it uh, at, you know, preview night and uh, packed movie theater and when um uh gene gray went all dark phoenix phoenix guy stood up from his chair and just went yeah and started <laughs> clapping i'm like all right i'm seeing this with a bunch of super fans see i broke uh, up with a guy once who uh stood up and cheered at the president's speech in independence day wow and i was like that's it that you have to break up <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. That, if that's not a sign from yeah from beyond he i don't got know out which... of his seat and i was like this is over yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were wise you were wise to do that um <laughs> you know you never know wow. when you're going to see a warning sign you i know, know. you yeah. got to pay attention yeah you Somebody do collapse <laughs> yeah at the wrong at, scene at, in that in independence day yeah someone may be oh. crying at the purge Something like that, you know? (laughs) You know, maybe there's something off. Yeah. (laughs) And the Purge election year, that's Mm. not going to turn into a late night joke. That title isn't, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, as as I said before, when I saw this movie, um, you know, it's basically a documentary about what would happen if Trump becomes president. (laughs) Well, well, I think um, the designers at Hollywood Horror Nights took your advice. Yeah. The entire park is now a purge zone. Oh, wow. Ah. Where you actually, each section you go to is a different purged theme uh, from one of the different movies. So uh, we're going in a couple weeks. I can't wait. It'll be fun. They always do a good job with it. Um, So uh, Swiss Army Man is the next movie. This is like a weird kind of um, castaway type movie where, you know, he's marooned on a... uh, uh, deserted island, but yeah. then he uses a dead body to help him. It's it's kind of weird. It's it's Paul Dano and, and Daniel Radcliffe, uh, mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. One of them's dead. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is dead. Hmm. Um, it, it, it's it's one of these movies I missed. I really want to see because it seems it's Castaway meets Weekend at Burning. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> had to be the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> And they just went, yep, here yeah. you go. Here's yeah. money. Here's $10 million. <laughs> Make me proud, kid. Um, 
Yeah. Um, if it's Paul Dano being a weirdo, I'm in. Yeah, how could it not be? He's if Paul so, Dano was in a movie, he's playing a weirdo. I don't think anyone else you could cast, you need to get off an island with a dead guy. Oh, Paul Dano. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is Michael Shannon not available? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and the site spotlight, um, Neil is continuing to, continuing to churn out the weekly film news, but we want to mention this. This is... Uh, uh, really exciting. Every year, uh, Shriekfest happens right across from Paramount at Raleigh Studios, and it's a great horror genre festival. It goes from Friday to Sunday. Neil will be there all weekend, so go to Shriekfest this weekend and check it out. What I we we're going to have Denise Gossett on the show next week to talk about the festival. And what I really like about this festival is it uh, it really caters to its core audience. Like it, it's one of those festivals that could have expanded but chose not to. They had different screenings in different theaters, and the, uh, Denise started getting complaints. Well, now I can't see everything. I don't want to have to make choices. So she went back and scaled down the festival mm. where everyone can see everything from Friday to Sunday. It's not the largest festival, but that's by choice. So it's a really interesting, uh, nicely curated horror uh, genre film fest. So check it out. Um, cool. And then uh, on the uh, Facebook uh, fan page, we posted the... Uh the terror reading? <laughs> we're going to do that. Um, we did a movie fact. Uh, George Lucas gave Mel Brooks his blessing to make space balls on the condition that no action figures be made and <laughs> as they could be confused with actual Star Wars toys. Um, that's a great stipulation. That, that is fantastic. Like, that's something I never would have thought of. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then Brent Russell wrote, I wonder if that inspired the space balls merchandise scene. Um, oh yeah, which is, an, which, which yeah, is an yeah. interesting uh, thing that Brent Russell put, and Paul Grid- Griswold posted. That's the reason I have no barf with realistic tail wagging actions. <laughs> Schwartz projecting Lone Star. <laughs> it just goes on this rant of the whole thing, which is very funny. That's so awesome. thanks for those posts, you guys. So the other thing I wanted to let you guys know: we have new stuff in the merch store. If you uh, didn't get anything from LA Podfest this year, we have the shirts and posters for sale at comedyfilmnerds.com so you can check those out and also I'm I'm wearing one today so in the po- the picture that's posted of Chris and Karen and myself from from today yes. I will be wearing the uh the baby blue one and also we have now restocked all the sizes and all designs of all the crab feast t-shirts a lot of you've been emailing and said when are the other sizes going to be in uh we since we're kind of taking over the merchandise it took a little longer to get everything but now everything's set everything's there you could uh, order whatever you like cool um, I can attest to that because I'm sitting right in front of it. Yes. You have everything. <laughs> Any size you want. Yep. Could you read the tarot of the t-shirts? Yes. So which ones great. are going to sell more than... <laughs> I think the baby ones. <laughs> yeah, if there's an earthquake, we're going to be beaten to death by other comedians' <laughs> merchandise. Oh, how ironic. Uh, so premiering this week, Birth of a Nation, which we were just talking about. Um, you know, this movie is starting to come with its own personal controversy of the filmmaker and... Uh, um, you know, rape charges that were um, many, many, many years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it came up back up to surface and it's looking like he didn't handle them as well as he could have. And it made the studio nervous yeah. and all this stuff. But, y- you know, the, the film itself uh, has been widely reviewed as being excellent. So I am, uh, I am curious to see it. And so. our friend, our comedian friend, Jason Stewart is in that. He has a big part mm-hmm. in it. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see it. Um, uh, you know, I will see what happens with the, the charges and stuff. I like that kind of stuff. I'm just like, oh man. Acquitted though. Acquitted? Yes. As much as I hate, you know, and I'm the biggest feminist either. We have to, acquitted is acquitted. Let it go. Right, right. Right. Uh, 
good point. Good but, point. You know, the, and what made it worse, though, is that the, I don't know if you know the whole story. You guys can read online, but this is just pits, pieces of it. Uh, the girl killed herself later, mm. so she's not around to you know talk oh. on her behalf anymore. So that's also something that's making it a lot more. Uh, how how ugly. long after the incident did she? That I'm not sure because that don't would be the article. a that would be a factor in my. <laughs> opinion yeah. forming yeah. Right. Right. so um there's there's a lot of things there's a lot of things going on over there um the next movie is uh, girl on the train um this is the emily blunt thriller i love a good twisty thriller so i'm excited to see this i'm excited to see it i mm-hmm. like emily blunt um mm-hmm. I, I also you know she's really i'm hoping it's not too gone girl you know if they like right. do these weird things that gone girl that i'm hoping it's just a real classic hitchcockian Thriller. I think, and and she's really intriguing because she's really she has expanded her her range as an actress in terms. Yeah, of, she sure has. When she did the Tom Cruise action movie, she also was this badass, right? And now, looking at the trailer, she's maybe like a a boozy troublemaker right. or something. Yeah. Like, you know, like he, yeah. she's gone from just like you know England's little sweetheart to all this. It's all like, right. and and the, they've done a good job with the trailer because they could so easily just tell us way too much. I mean, they tell almost a little too much in the trailer, but it's an, it's enough that I go, okay, did she do it? Did she not do it? Is she involved? What's going on? Is, is she, she on a train, really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, is she the girl on the train? <laughs> is she the girl mm-hmm. on the train? Like, so um, I, I'm excited to see it. So in this middle school, the worst years of my life, um, I, I believe this is based on uh, another book. Yeah. So, but uh, I, it's weird. My Neither one of my kids have, been jumping to see it so um, yeah. i think they again it goes back to i think they like darker stories mm-hmm. plus aren't they um, in middle school why do they want to read yeah it? yeah i mean right. my daughter's in middle school now I, was like, I don't know if i need to see right. this movie right now um and uh i, I think like it's a movie for like a late teenager that i thought i, I like haven't seen it a 19 year old no i thought it was going to be a <laughs> seth rogan Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's forty year olds in it's middle school. Aimed at, what is middle school? What is that? Sixth grade? Six to eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I wasn't even like in the right age. Tweens, young teens. <laughs> so, right. um, and I think that's it. All right. It's a uh, so it's our um, episode. Yeah, yeah, and um, wow, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. And how are our ours? Are are they good? Are they better after the episode than our before? Auras? They're yeah. good. They yeah. are. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of energy. A lot of a yeah. uh, lot of uh, I'll, I'll get bright, you some crystals. Lights. You guys will yeah. be fine. <laughs> we're gonna start selling crystals yeah. in the store, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah. all your aura crystals. Could we sell good. actual R C F N R's. I we know. Could, you could put you, them on you when could. you get home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could sell Aura T-shirts yes. where they're all too uh, big. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You um, should sell those after your shows, Karen. Yes. That's great, Mark. We only have one size, too That's big. Great. That's yeah. exactly rich. Um, well, cool. That's our show. So, Karen, if where it doesn't you- fit, you work on your spirit. That's yeah. right. Keep it clean. Salt bath. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find you? Where can like, uh, online physically shows? and spiritually? Physically, where can find they can you? find me at karenrontowski.com mm-hmm. and that'll take you everywhere you need to be. And mm-hmm. at Rontowski on Twitter. Okay. Nice. And uh, then this comes out soon. Then right today. Today. Oh, okay. Uh, where the heck am I? Uh, I'll announce that on Twitter or something because I'm a lot of places. Okay. Right. So check uh, check Twitter and that'll be at your Rontowski. show schedule. Now is your show schedule on your website as well? No, I'll, I'm very unorganized. Okay. That's why. <laughs> if you everybody went, who is that? It's gonna. It's like yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have to get it up. I'll work on it. 
Okay. But well, they I, can find me telepathically right. at any time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you really need. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll tag her in the in the post from from comedy film nerds and from myself. Uh, for, and we'll tag her aura. Yeah, we'll tag her aura yeah. and uh, attached to me. And yeah. We'll attach her her aura to the tweet. Yeah. But yeah, so you can follow her online and get all of her. She's very funny. She's uh, Karen. I, I like we did a show together. Uh, like a month, maybe a couple weeks ago, and it was just—I was great watching you. You're just a you're really solid joke writer. And oh, Jackie Cation thinks the world of you. She's always oh. talking about you. She is. She mm-hmm. is a one of my well. Thank you for all the kudos, Jackie and mm-hmm. and Graham and <laughs> yes. As you can tell, I'm always in my own little world. So <laughs> that's where my jokes come from. <laughs> um, all right, guys. I will be headlining the uh, Hollywood Improv tomorrow, Friday, October seventh. That's an eight o'clock show. Uh, Marilyn Rice Cub is going to be on the show. She might remember as Zoe uh, from Twenty Four, uh, and a couple other special guests. So get your tickets at uh, Improv.com, at the Hollywood Improv, and um, we will be showing earbuds at the Cluj Napacoa <laughs> Comedy <laughs> Film Festival in Cluj, yes. Romania. Yes. I will not be going to that, but Graham will. But uh, I'm going to come by the Napa Valley for sure. I'll come up for yep. that weekend. So I'll be in Romania October 21st through the 24th wow. screening uh, earbuds. And then we're at Napa Valley. Um, I'll be there from November 8th to the 13th. And the movie screens on the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. There's four different screenings. And four different night. places, too. Four different places. So if you're anywhere up in that area or live near there or want to drive or like Jason Christian, you're in the movie. You have yet to see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling you out, dude. You got <laughs> to come check it out. Um, and then right after, when we get back, we're releasing it. We're releasing it. Kickstarter backers are going to get it. What on the fifteenth? Yeah, a couple days before. A couple days before, depending and then, on the technology. If we get all our ducks yeah. in a row, and then so right around the sixteenth or seventeenth, it'll be yes, for sale. That's the window. It might be one or two days on the other side, but that's it. That's There's it. no more delays. No we, more bullshit. After uh, Napa Valley, mm-hmm. it's um, all of our. Um, I guess you could call them the distribution requirements are satisfied with the festivals and then we can allow it to be sold after. So get a Harry's razor shaving kit, shave up your face and be ready to (laughs) either watch it up North uh, or buy it uh, mid November. Yes. It'll be at comedyfilmnerds.com. Yep. As a download. Boom. Mm -hmm. That's the, that was the big card that was like, things are changing. Yes, that that could be it. That's exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Um, so that's our episode, guys. Um, like we say, uh, and of course the 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 video archive of LA Podfest is still available for yes. another like twenty days. Yeah, it's like fifty hours of content. It's you, you it's can't more beat than it. That. It's, it's, it's probably more. Yeah, actually, if you add the panels and stuff too. It's, well, it's forty shows that are nine, close to ninety minutes. Yeah, each. so it's wow. even more. Yeah, so it's even longer. And and it's great. You know, one ticket gets you all the shows. And just the, it's our, one of our best live shows. I think it's the best live show we've ever done with Will Wheaton. But you got to see it. Mm-hmm. It's just the expressions on Will Wheaton's face. And while, are while we're watching the trailers yeah, and the yeah. jokes that are made, it's, it's so much fun. It, it's great. So remember, use coupon code CFN. You will get $5 off. And we get paid. Yes. Thank you guys for supporting all of this. Um, thank you, Karen Rontowski. Thanks, you guys. Um, this is episode 340 in the books. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember... Han shot first. His aura. His aura. <laughs> <laughs>